Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to On the Bright Line podcast, tales from recovering food addicts from the perspective of a physician, a therapist, and an off-the-wall storyteller. We are not affiliated or endorsed by Brightline Eating, and all content presented in this podcast represents our personal opinions and does not represent medical, nutritional, or psychological professional advice. Well, hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to today's episode of On the Bright Line podcast. Uh, we are so excited uh, to announce that we have Amy as our uh, next guest on the podcast. Yay, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we feel like Amy has a really um, awesome, interesting BLE story to tell, and uh, we just cannot wait to get into it with her. So, Amy, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Go for it. Hi, I'm Amy. I've lost 100 pounds and I'm here on the podcast today um, just to kind of tell my my story. But <laughs> No, I totally just fangirled over here. I want everybody to know that. Like, so I'll tell on Amy. Amy has a huge TikTok following and that's what she says on her TikTok videos. And I was like, oh, please say it. Please say it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the TikTok thing is so weird because it kind of came out of nowhere. I, I started actually one year ago, like right now. And um, I just started kind of to to, almost because I wanted to be able to get the word out about BLE because I just noticed that there was not a lot of social media out there. There was a little bit on Instagram, but um, definitely not on TikTok. And so I just wanted people to know about it because the way I found out about BLE was just so random. And it was just like, I came upon it in a random Facebook post, you know, five, six years ago. And I just, I don't feel like people know about it. And little did I know it was going to be something that started to take off. So yeah, that was not, that was not something I ever intended. (laughs) Well, that's definitely what we're here for too, obviously. Um, I also went out on TikTok and started a TikTok because I felt like there wasn't a lot of content out there. And I obviously found you, we found each other, you know, so I think that that, um, that's just amazing. So um, I would love to hear about your BLE story. Just, you know, take it away. <laughs> uh, well, basically, like, I I was overweight my whole life. Um, I, was, I was overweight as a child. My family, everyone in my family, my two sisters, my parents were all, you know, typical size. Um, no one else struggled with their weight. And I noticed from an early age that um, food was a comfort for me. Food was a comfort, a, a tool that my mom used to comfort us. Um, and it was a very nurturing, caring thing in our lives, but I was the only one that put on weight from it. And I was the only one in my family that I, and I didn't know this for years, but I, that I, that couldn't stop. Um, I, I would have a little and, and it would turn into a lot very quickly. And so I just struggled with my weight my whole life. And I was on a diet from the time I was, I think in sixth grade was the first time. And then as I got older, that kind of spiraled from food addiction and binge eating into alcohol addiction as well. And um, by the time I was in my early 20s, I had gotten up to about 235 pounds and the food was out of control. The alcohol was out of control. And the first thing that I was able to get under control was the alcohol addiction. And I had tried for years, you know, in your early twenties, everybody's, everybody's, you know, in my circle was, was drinking and they didn't want me to stop, you know, either. And everyone's like, just do it in moderation, you know, just go out and have one drink with us. And that just didn't work for me. And I quickly discovered every time I would try to have just one drink that it would spiral into binge drinking again. And it wasn't until I quit drinking with, you know, full abstinence that I realized, okay, I'm, I'm good now. And I was able to do that. You know, I meant just like with food, I had many failed attempts, but when I finally for once and for all quit drinking and was hundred percent abstinent, I was okay. And I could be around people drinking. I didn't, I, that didn't phase me. I realized abstinence was the ticket for me. And it, it was easy after that. Um, and once I quit drinking, I was all of a sudden able to get uh, more in control with my food. 
So in my early 20s, I actually, over the span of a few years, lost about 90 pounds. But I continued to binge eat. So even though I've been at a relatively healthy weight since my early 20s, I'm 44 now, um, I still always struggled. And I was constantly dieting. And it was the mental chatter constantly going on in my head of, all right, I'm putting on some, now I need to take it off. I'm putting on some, I need to take it off. And I was just, it was never at rest. And then after I had my children and my pregnancies, you know, I put on some more weight, the binge eating started to become less manageable. I know that sounds like an oxymoron to begin with that binge eating would ever be manageable, but I wasn't able to keep as healthy of a weight anymore. And I, I really started to research like more about binge eating. I was a, I was a problem solver. I wanted to solve this problem. I solved every other problem in my life, but I couldn't solve this one. And I came across Overeaters Anonymous um, as a support for binge eating. I tried that for quite a few years. I thought that was the key because that was what had spoken to me the most out of any other program. But I was too, it was too flexible for me. I was able to set my own bin, own binge foods. And so of course I left in many, many foods that I should have eliminated. And so Mm -hmm. I constantly failed at that too. And so I kind of given up hope with Overeaters Anonymous when all of a sudden I discovered Bright Line Eating, as I said, in a random Facebook post, someone had commented that that was how they had lost weight. And I thought, eh, I've tried everything else. Might as well try this. Probably going to fail at this too. And bought the book. And that was, that was when I discovered that this was an entirely different program. Um, I am so struck. I am so struck by the similarities between the alcohol journey and the food journey. It's like you tried, you tried moderation and that resulted in more continued binging. And then you did abstinence and it worked great. And then, but with the food, you tried moderation and had binging. So interesting. It, It was exactly the same. And you know, that was, about that was the thing about Susan's book that really struck me is she told that same story. And I went, Oh my gosh, why have I never made this connection before between, uh, you know, the food addiction and the alcohol addiction. But as soon as I read her words, and I think that's what's so powerful about her story is I saw myself in her story. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite as extreme, but pretty darn close. And, um, yeah, I, I, I started with the 14 day challenge and, um, it, I, it took off from there. I knew that this was the way to go. However, for about three and a half years, I did like what they call slight line eating mm-hmm. where I still viewed it as a diet. I didn't always weigh and measure, but I was pretty good. I was pretty, pretty good. Almost hundred percent of the time with no sugar, no flour. Um, and then it wasn't until I started to, it was a, two years ago right now where the Halloween candy started to get me and um, the slight line eating wasn't working anymore. And I started to just experiment a little bit and the binging came back immediately. And it was right when they were doing, um, I don't know if you guys were already in bright line eating back when they did the bright ticket week, it was two years Mm -hmm. ago, they had changed their whole membership program. And it was like, you had all these incentives to join. And I had never been a part of the community. So I had never done any of the boot camps. I had never done mm-hmm. any of the coursework. Um, I had just read the book and the 14 day challenge. And I said, you know what? I, this is starting to feel like it used to feel and it's scary. Mm-hmm. And I want to go all in. And it was, it was two years ago right now where I, I joined for five years, paid the five year, you know, I thought like, maybe if I invest a lot of money, I'll, I'll stick to it. And since that day, I have come all the way in and sat all the way down and it's been an entirely different experience for me. Yeah. And there's psychology around that financial, you know, yeah. Robin, I'm looking to you. You can't oh, yeah. see me looking to you, but I'm looking to you. There's psychology around that, right? Because they changed the way that they do the boot camp. Now, when I entered the program, it was you could come in at any time for a monthly fee but now the program is, is that you have to come in at these, you know, entry points through, through the boot camp, and they're, it's expensive. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not money that anybody just has floating around like the, you know, the membership, monthly membership like that I joined. So I think that there's psychology behind that. And I'll shut up now, Robin, if you have something to say about No, investment. I mean, yeah, there, there, there is that when you, when you are willing, when you say, well, I've, I've paid for this, right? 
of course, I want to get the get the most out of it that I can, um, and it it increases that that buy in to the program. Yeah, so and that, I needed that in the beginning. I needed right. that, mm-hmm. and, and you know, maybe not now. I don't know if I need it now, but then I did. You know, yeah. when it was still kind of new. And we cut. We we talked about in a uh, previous podcast about the crucible moment. I don't know if you've um, heard us talk about that. Okay, so so what yes. what was what is your crucible moment? What would you say was the all the all the pieces that fell into place that got you to come all the way in and set all the way down? I know you kind of talked about it, but I just want to dive in a little deeper. It, it was definitely the idea that I was three and a half years in. I thought I was all bright line eating. Like I thought that was my life. I thought I was. You know, they didn't really because I wasn't ever in a boot camp. They didn't use the term. I never used the term bright lifer back then. But I thought I was in. And when when like I said, when when the binging started to come back, I said, oh, no, no way. It just it, it was so immediate. It was like that whole idea of I cannot have just one bite when I don't mm-hmm. have one bite. I am I I sit here and I am 100 percent fine not having one bite of NMF or any sugar and flour, like I'm fine. But as soon as I had that one bite, I was right down the rabbit hole again. I just could not stop. And it was just so frightening. And there was, there, there was no amount of candy or no, you know, no food. And I, I experimented a little bit. I said, all right, here I am. I'm, I'm about to possibly commit to this. Is there anything else I want. And I tried a couple things and I honestly said to myself, this doesn't taste as good as I remember. Oh, wow. And yeah, which I, I never had that before, but it really didn't. And I said, all right, let's, let's do this. It's, it's time. And, and I grieved, I grieved not so much the NMF. I was kind of, like I said, I was kind of okay with cutting out sugar and flour. It was the BLE compliant foods that I was like, you know, not weighing and measuring or having grains throughout the day that were compliant, but not just at breakfast or having smoothies was a big one. I would have a lot Mm. of smoothies and smoothie bowls and creamer in my coffee, little exceptions. And that I had been doing for those full three and a half years, you know, prior to committing. And I grieved the first few months were very hard. Mm. And I would have never thought I would look back and say that it feels easy now, but two years later, it it feels truly easy to not have those things in my life anymore. That's amazing. That's great. I mean, what a a testimony, you know, what a testimony. So Bonnie, Robin, do you guys have anything to say? Well, tell me a little bit about the grieving. What were you grieving? A lot of times it was the experience. Like I can remember um, maybe like two weeks into the recommit when I, um, I went to Target with my husband, you know, just to run, run some errands. And every time I went to Target, I would get a latte and it was so simple. It was just milk in my coffee, but it wasn't part of my plan. And I, this was the first time too, that I had ever written down my food the night before. That was not something, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was not part of the 14 day challenge or if I just never did that habit, but I had never done that before until I, you know, started like back then they called it bright beginnings, but essentially the boot camp. And I just wanted that. I wanted that latte as I walked around target, I wanted it in my hand and boy, the whole car ride home, I didn't do it. And the whole You're car speaking ride our home, language right now, Amy, just so you yeah, know, like we are all I, coffee people. So yes, I pouted, I pouted like a child. I looked at my husband and I'm like, I am really sorry. I'm so pouty right now. And I said, I just, I don't understand what the big deal is. Like, why can't I just have that coffee? And it was moments like that over the first few months where I persevered through wanting something and denying myself that something and telling myself, okay, if you want it tomorrow, plan it in for tomorrow, but you didn't plan it in for today. So today Mm -hmm. you don't get it. Those moments made me so solid in my program that I'm grateful for them now. But yeah, the, the, I call the, I call them grieving moments, but really they were just pouty. (laughs) That's grieving though, right? I mean, yeah. it's part yeah. of grieving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, that resonates with me so much, Amy. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm like doing a little mini resume right now because I have been at my goal weight and then it kind of over the last year it's crept up like 10 pounds and it's been specifically exceptions with milk and coffee. And like adding like first it was like, I'm gonna add a teaspoon of yogurt to my berries in the morning. And then it's like I'm just dolloping on the yogurt and I'm not measuring it out. And then right. it's like it's just little little slips and slides you know, um, and I'm having to really recommit. I also had never written my food down. Cause I'm like, I know what I'm going to eat tomorrow. I'm going to yeah. eat on plan. I don't need to write it down, but there is something about committing to that. And I'm back to black decaf coffee and that's it. And it is not the same, does not hit the same, but the longer I do it, the less I crave it. And that is that piece. I mean, already with like three days, but the first three days back to the being very tight with my program, like the brain piece is just, yeah. oh, it's so nice. And it's, so much better than like, well, am I going to have a second milk in my coffee today? Maybe I could have a third. It's been a hard day. I could have a third. That whole chatter thing coming back. And it's like, what am I doing? Like the whole reason I'm doing this is to not have that. Right. And it feels yeah. so good when you don't have that chatter, but it's so funny when you're in the moment and you want something, how we can justify it, you oh, know, yeah. and we don't realize it's going to mm-hmm. make it so much harder. But that's addiction, right? Like that's addiction. Like like, let's call a spade a spade here. Like that's what we're talking about. We're talking about an addiction. I was thinking about the milk of my coffee. I'm like, I have to ask myself the three questions. You know, do I have peace around it? Is it escalating? (laughs) Is it affecting my weight? And my first answer was, I'm not going to answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to answer that question. Well, and this, this is great. I love this conversation because, you know, Bonnie, Bonnie in this, doing this, this resume, this recommitment, you know, has been reaching out and like talking, talking to me and I'm sure probably other people about how she's, you know, she's making these changes and that sort of thing. So Amy, tell me about your community support. What does that look like? Well, it's interesting. Up until um, the beginning of July, I had essentially no community support. I was very against community support. I I had one mastermind group when I first resumed, when I took a maintenance course. But other than that, I've never had a buddy. Um, I've never had a guide. I've never, I've never really had any support because I have, I have a husband who is so all in with me. Like he gave up sugar and flour with me. Um, He is my person that I reach out to. So I just, I have so much support here that I've never had to seek outside support. I was kind of involved in the Facebook community a little bit, but I find I get a little too sucked. I know it sounds weird that, you know, I I have a TikTok following and I'm like, oh, I'm not really into social media, but I just, I would get too sucked into it. So I just preferred now. But at the end of July, at the end of June, I had a slight slip where I started to get a little bingy with quantities at one meal. And again, that scared me so much that I resumed and I decided to that I was going to add support. And I ended up being asked to join a Gideon Games group. And I had done that once a couple of years ago and I didn't have a very active group. They were very nice, but just it wasn't a very active group and it just wasn't the right time and, and maybe just not the right fit of people. But this time I got asked to join this Gideon Games group and the other, there's like 11 other people in it. We have a big group and they have been the most incredible group of people. And I feel like I finally have a community that I've never had in Brightline Eating. And I even mm-hmm. had one of the group members um, just flew here from California. He's from San Diego and he and his partner were going to be in the area an hour away. And they were like, can we stop and visit? And he came here and we had a bright dinner and it was absolutely wonderful. And if you had asked me even, you know, three months ago, would you be having a bright line eating person in your home in real life, you know, from across the country, I would have said you were crazy, but here I was. And it was the most incredible experience. And mm. So yeah, so I'm grateful for it now. I'm still not quite where I need to be with support. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to, I, again, it sounds weird, but I tend to be a little introverted um, and get nervous with people. And, you know, just having like this right now, I'm like, I get super nervous. Like just, <laughs> I, I do, I just naturally get so nervous. Um, but that's that's definitely an area where I probably could, you know, up my game a little bit. <laughs> for sure. And just so everybody knows, because um, there might be non-BLE people watching, Gideon Games is a, a 90-day challenge that uh, teams of 10 basically work together to 
amass as many bright days as they can. And then there's, you know, a leaderboard and there's winners at the end and there's no real prize. It's just, it's just a way to gamify, um, being bright. And that's, that really helps some people with their program. So, um, just so everyone knows that's what the Gideon games are. I am actually in my first round of Gideon games right now. So getting ready to start on Wednesday. So that'll be entertaining. I'm sure to see, to walk through that, to walk through that. So, um, what surprised you about BLE? Um, I think looking back now, I'm truly surprised at how easy it is. I think because in the beginning, it seemed so hard. And like, like someone, you know, when I, when I resumed two years ago, I ended up um, losing, I want to say like 40 pounds that I had put on. So now I'm at, you know, the hundred pound loss. So that was a little more than I had ever, that's, I'm like at the lowest weight I've ever been in, in my whole life. So people started to notice a little and, you know, someone would say, oh, Amy, you look great. What are you doing? And like a friend of mine, I remember chimed in, she was, oh, no, no, she, she gave up sugar and flour. She's never, she never has it ever. Like you could never do that. Don't even ask oh. her. And it's almost like, okay, that's, that's like how outsiders sometimes view it as mm-hmm. like, you have to give up so much to do bright line needling. Not a single friend of mine has ever jumped on the bandwagon with me because they just view it as too hard. And I can see where in the beginning, if you're not desperate, like I was, like I was desperate, I would have tried anything. But if you're not desperate, I can see where you wouldn't maybe want to do something that I guess is seemingly hard, but it's it's not hard. Interestingly enough, I find life to be so much easier now than it was even two years ago when I resumed. Like it's, I can't, I don't, I can't really put it into words, but yeah, I, the whole idea of it, you know, a hundred percent is better than 95% is so true for me. Like, I don't know. It just, it takes the, it's the automaticity. It's the mm-hmm. not having to think about it. Right. And not having that food cheddar, like you said, even adding in a little bit of coffee or a little bit of milk to your coffee, you're adding a little bit of yogurt, though, just the debate that goes on in your head makes things harder than when you just don't have to think about it. And so I really am surprised by how easy it seems to be now compared to two years ago. How do you feel like that tracks with your experience with sobriety from alcohol? Is it a similar, like, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I I used to do like real experiments when I didn't want to quit alcohol. I did real experiments. Well, like, what if every hour I just have one and then we'll set a timer. And I mean, like I tried everything wow. to be able to do yeah, it. Right. Like, really, like, I, you know, you just don't want to give up what you don't want to give up. And, um, yeah, I don't even think about alcohol anymore. 20, it's been 20 years and I don't even, I don't miss it. I don't crave it. And it's the same thing with, with my addictive foods. Like I just, everyone will look at me like, what do you do? How do you not even have any of that? Or, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't miss it. But I know if I'd had one nibble, I'd be so far deep into my addiction that it would be as if no time had passed. So interesting. To a scary degree. Yeah. 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 Um, what can you do now that you never thought you could? That's a good one. (laughs) Um, well, like in, in the more, I guess in, in like the more vain side of things, something that like, because of my weight loss, like I can wear white pants and I never, ever thought I could wear white pants, like little things like that, where, you know, I used to always wear wear black because I didn't want any part of my body to, to, to show things like that. But really something that I can do now that I couldn't do before is I can handle other areas of my life. My brain used to be so consumed with my food, um, planning my food, obsessing over my next meal. Um, if I was in my addiction, if I was like in a binging time period of my life, like I, I would ignore every other thing to get what I wanted, um, to, to seek out food. I would go to stores, I would go to fast food. 
And, and that's where my brain would be. And that's why when I had that little break with quantities back in July, uh, end of June, it was so scary because we were having a family party here and everyone had gone outside and my brain had already switched to where I wanted more. I'd had let myself have one extra bite and boom, even with compliant foods, I would get annoyed. My husband or my daughter would like come into the house for something else. And I'd be like, oh, I wish they would leave because my brain was so focused on just being able to get my addictive substance. And to not, to not have that anymore, um, like, I, I, I don't know. There, there's just nothing better than that to me. Mm. Like I can, I can be present with my family. <clears throat> I'm yeah. focused on, on the, the event and the people and not on the food. And, and I know not everyone experiences that, like, you know, not everyone has food addiction, so they can't really relate to that. But when you're in an addiction and you know that feeling of tuning out everything else around you just to get your addictive substance, it's, that's a scary thing. It is. It's at least for me, it, it it's, it's a scary feeling. It's a very out of control feeling. And but how fabulous um, that you noticed that and paid attention and listened and named it for what it was. Well, I'll tell you what parts work has, has been a key, key part of my journey. And I actually started IFS therapy before Susan brought it into bright line eating. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was another crucible moment for me uh, mm-hmm. where I realized, holy crap, this is, this is definitely the program for me. Like when I had sort of started to veer, when she brought that back in and I, I almost, I can remember where I was when I was listening to like either a vlog or something. And she started talking about IFS and parts work. And I went, there is no way that this random obscure form of therapy that I do is being brought into bright line eating. I just, it felt like fate to me. Mm-hmm. And those two worlds collided because bright line eating was the first food program that ever made sense to me. And I'd done therapy for years and IFS was the only kind of therapy that clicked with me and to have them both together I just felt like, all right, I'm being hit over the head here. Like, this is what you need to do. Why are you not doing it? It really felt like that. And yeah, parts work is, I, I think that's one of the biggest differences with why I've been able to stick with it a hundred percent this time around too. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, have you had a significant life challenge since you're starting BLE and how did it affect your food if you did? Yes. Yeah, so that's a funny story too. I mean, not funny, but uh, when I started at the end of November of 2021, um, it's like a week before Thanksgiving. Um, and I had been so resumed for about five weeks when Christmas rolled around. And on Christmas morning of that year, just a few weeks back in, uh, my we woke up to my son um, sick and having a seizure. And so my son is, is 10 years old. He has severe autism and he does have a seizure disorder, but it had, it had been six and a half years since he'd had a seizure. And I had had major, major anxiety around his seizures for many years after that started. And when we woke up that morning and, um, the seizure was so bad that I was genuinely, I genuinely thought he was going to die. Mm. And went through the, the thought process in my head of what am I, what am I going to do? This is it. This is happening. I can't, you know, this has been my fear for years and it's happening. And then he ended up being okay. And it was just a seizure and, you know, he survived it. But that whole day I was in just a state of shock. And I remember at that time I had no support. So I reached out to the the Facebook group and I just said, um, here's what happened. I don't know what to do. I'm only a few weeks back in. I want to protect my program, but I don't even feel like I can put food in my body. What do I, what do I do? Mm. And everybody started immediately reaching out and they, um, they recommend, you know, along with like lots of love and support, they recommended two of Susan's vlogs. And one of them was the permission to be human. And the other was, um, oh, my brain is going to forget. 
there's another one where what, like when an emergency happens, I'll have to think of it, but they're both along the same lines of, Oh, the situation is the boss is, is what she called it. And it was basically like, yes, we want you to stick to these bright lines every single day without exception. However, there are going to be times where you cannot. And the feedback I was getting was this was one of those times. And if you can't eat, if you don't have an appetite and you can't eat, then you're then you're not going to eat today and you can still be bright and you can still make it through. And so I, I this is kind of where I started to reach out a little bit more um, and connect with people because I needed something to get me through. I knew I, I knew I couldn't handle what was going on with my son and be in the food. Um, I couldn't do both. I could do one or the other, but I couldn't do both. And so the support, and, and then three days later, my, my brother-in-law who was 49 died of pancreatic cancer. Oh, and so this all happened within like a couple days time. Wow. So we were navigating grief. Mm-hmm. We were navigating funeral services and how to stay bright at funeral services. And, um, you know, I, again, I just kept reaching out for support. Um, what do you, what do you do? How do you bring food into a funeral home when you're going to be there for eight hours? You know, like all these and people had answers, people mm-hmm. had answers. Oh, right. well, when I went through it, here's what I did. And you could escape to the back room. You could escape to your car. You can do this, you, you know, and bring your veggies in your purse. Like mm-hmm. we're all humans and we all experience loss, whether we're on bright line eating or not, but mm-hmm. it, definitely if you're on bright line eating and people had walked that path before, unfortunately, and could give me a lot of great advice. And just like when I had made it through like the pouty times <laughs> and that make made me feel stronger, making it through two humongous, you know, life altering things right in a row and staying bright through them almost gave me that feeling of, well, if I can do it through this, I can do it through anything. Mm-hmm. <coughs> wow. That is yeah, amazing. that's yeah, that is amazing. And I think that that's a good, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it shows, you know, that, that, that sometimes the hard times actually help us strengthen our, our program, right? Like, you know, sometimes they, you know, permission to be human and, you know, sometimes they can be breaking points, but breaking points can also bring us back to, um, you know, to a stronger, to a stronger place. I think about a different kind of crucible moment, right? Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. Like the Japanese, the Japanese art Kintsugi of like the putting the pottery back together with the gold. gold. And it's like, you know, even though it's broken, like it's stronger and it's more valuable, Mm -hmm. like after it's been put back together. Sorry. That's, that was very, that was great. Thank you. (laughs) And a powerful testament to what the difference is between Mm -hmm. having community and not having community. Right. I mean, that's truly valuable. Yeah. So um, we've talked about emergency action plans um, on previous podcasts. Do you have an emergency emergency action plan? And if you do, would you like to share it with us so we can I do. we can learn? And, <laughs> yeah, and actually, I I pulled it up because I can never remember it exactly. But that's another big change between like my old way of doing it and when I resumed two years ago. Um, I had never had an emergency emergency action plan, um, but this time. It was, you know, I followed all the steps and it said, do, make an emergency action plan. So I did. Um, and mine is very simple um, because I want it to be doable. I want it to be something I can actually sit down and do when I need to. And so my my big thing always was when I wanted to break my lines in the past, uh, I didn't want to reach out to anybody. I didn't want anyone to stop me. Mm-hmm. And I knew if I reached out, they would stop me. And so mm-hmm. the idea of um, like implementing the emergency action plan before you're there, before you're going to take the first bite and doing it at the first thought was the key change because I knew when I was ready to take the first bite, I wasn't reaching out for help. It's too late. Um, yeah. It way was too way late. too late. Yeah. Yep. And so I really try to stick to the idea of as soon as it popped into my head as a thought, that's when I try to to enact my plan. And so I just start out with human connection where I reach out to someone in the BLE community, whether it's a Facebook group or, you know, now it's my Gideon Games group. And I also talk with my husband so I can have someone right here in the moment. Um, then I do prayer or some other spiritual practice. So I am part of my church choir 
And so something that's really calming for me and really easy for me um, that I enjoy and that I can just pop on my headphones is I just play some of my my choir music of our choir singing together. And it just brings me like peace and joy. And it's easy. I have to, it has to be easy for me in the mm-hmm. moment or I won't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's, if it was like, you know, sit down and pray for all these, like, I just, I wouldn't do it. I need it. Yeah. I need it to be easy. Um, and then I add in a meditation, um, just meditating for five to 10 minutes, just something simple. Um, I write a gratitude list, which I do that every day. But if I'm doing my action plan, I just write five things I'm grateful for and uh, and send it to my husband. Um, And then I do for service. I either reach out to someone who I haven't connected with in a long time, or I will donate or try to do something generous in some way to kind of take myself out of my own head. And then the last one I do is distraction. So like I have a list of things that I let myself sort of choose from. So I either go for a walk, I'll watch some sort of like trash TV, like Real Housewives or Vanderpump Rules or something. (laughs) And then also I have a few like a few of Susan's vlogs that I have kind of pinned that I will watch um, like in that moment, like the, the one on intermittent reinforcement, you know, just reminding me the damage I can kind of do if I just take that bite, um, you know, and how much harder it can be. And so, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big difference for me. And when I had that break back in June, it was funny cause I didn't, I, I had already taken the bite. So it was, it was too late. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a little while to tell my husband that I had. And when he came in the house and I said, okay, just so you know, and I explained what was happening and he said, don't you have a plan? For when this happens, he goes, I think oh. you should stop. He's like the greatest. He goes, I think, I think you don't, why don't you stop what you're doing? Stop cleaning the kitchen and just go in the bedroom and go do your plan. And I was like, but I need to do, he's like, nope, just go do your plan right now. Go, mm. go, go. And I was like, okay. And so, and I did, and it, it was, it stopped right then. Um, and I don't know what would have happened if I didn't have the plan, you know, I, I think I wouldn't have told him I would have kept going. It would have spiraled. And yeah, it's been a huge, a huge change for me to have that plan. Well, yeah. now, you know, what's going to happen if that happens. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm with that, you know, it's like, if I think about, oh, that looks really interesting. I could take a bite of that. And I just go through the oh, whole yeah. exercise in my mind. Yep. And if I take a bite, that's going to lead to more bites. It's actually not going to be as good as I thought it was going to be. Therefore, I won't even get the dopamine hit. I'll immediately feel guilty and I'll probably spiral into more eating. So I just, I go through that whole conversation myself, playing it out. It's so true. Yeah. That's a great plan. I like that plan. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we've talked about this, but I think it's really important. Like you re-emphasize and re-emphasize that it has to be doable. Um, You know, it has to be easy. Uh, It has to be on hand. I mean, one of Robin's suggestions, I'll bring background was an EAP box, like something that's like in a box, in a drawer, that's specifically just for those emergency times that you know you have there. Um, Indulgent, that's a Krista Harder, um, you know, phrase. I'll give her another shout out about that. Like, you know, something that you want to do, like something that you want to do, not something that you feel forced to do or that's painful, but just something that you want, you know, that you'll want to do in that moment. So that's an excellent example. Um, I love it. Okay. If you could say one thing to your former self when you were thinking about getting on VLE, but not ready, what would it be? Oh, definitely that it's not going to be as hard as I think. <laughs> I, like I said, I was so pouty. I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this forever. I can't, you know, no, it's, it's just, I, I want I feel like people just starting out, if they knew how much easier it would be to be all in and to not try to make the exceptions and how over time, your tastes change, your mind changes. Like when I first started, I had to cut down from like, I did the 10 and 10 veggies at each meal. And I had to cut down to seven and seven. Cause I was like, I just cannot stomach all these veggies. I don't want all these, veg-. you know, I, again, pouty, just pouty. And now I'm like eating my 10 and I'm like, I want more. I wish mm-hmm. I could have more veggies. <laughs> like these are so good. Like I want three or four veggies. And I'm like, who are you? Like you hated veggies. Like I whined to my husband, why do I have to eat so many? Because that was another thing prior to my resume. I didn't weigh veggies. I just thought, 
you know, I'm not going to overeat on veggies. So, you know, I'll weigh, I'll weigh my protein and I'll weigh my fats and my grains and stuff, but I don't have to weigh veggies. But now it was when I started weighing my veggies and I saw how much it was, I was like, no, that's too much. But now it's like, you just, my tastes have changed. Mm -hmm. I'll say that to people when I make something and they're like, Oh, can I try that? And I'm like, you can, it's super delicious. But if you've been eating sugar for the last, you know, yeah. However many years you might not think it's as good, but I, honestly, a lot of times people do too. Like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll make certain bakes or whatever. And I have friends who totally consume sugar and flour and they still think my food is delicious. So, um, I think your tastes change, but I also think our food isn't as bad as people think it is, you know? Right. Well, and I think that's, I mean, I think this discussion is great that it's that the reality is, is that everybody thinks that it is such a sacrifice to give yeah. up flour and sugar, right? Like that it is yeah. such a sacrifice. And I think, and, and not to be preachy at all, because, you know, I was in it, I was deep in it. Like, and I was one of those people when Bonnie first told me about it, I was like, I could never, right. never give yeah. up flour and sugar. Are you kidding me? Like I could never. And so now knowing what I know and being as, you know, being 11 odd months in the program, it's like, I can't picture my life any other way. And the fact that I feel so much better now, and yes, food tastes better, vegetable, real food tastes better, right? Yes. Like real food tastes better um, because my palate has been changed and cleansed and the, you know, whatever of all the brain science, which is not my, that's not my forte, you know, all that has been, you know, has, has gone back to what it should be and that I can actually eat real food and be satisfied that way. And so like, yeah, like how do you, because I'm the same, like my friends are, you said back in the beginning that, you know, your friends will be like, oh no, don't even ask her. Like, yeah. don't even ask her what she's doing. And like, I've had friends do the same thing. It's like, you could, you could never do what she's doing, but I'm just like, you could. And it's like, how do we get people to that place where it's like, I, I want you to be able to see this as a possibility for yourself and not a restriction. Right. So I don't know. 100%. Bonnie, I mean, Bonnie, yeah. Bonnie can also talk to like how she handled me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I knew it would work for you. And I also know, I mean, anything you tackle, you, you accomplish. So I knew if you got on board with it, you would succeed. Um, but I also knew that if I was preachy about it, I was going to push you away. And so you, you, there's just, I mean, we, we've talked so many, I mean, as a physician, yeah. I mean, I've, I've taken care of patients with alcoholism. I mean, I was, I was super stunned at just how quickly you were like, yep. And when I stopped, I, I was good. I never craved it again. I'm just like, oh my God, I couldn't ever get any of my patients there. You know what I mean? Because every one of them would, would relapse. And it was so frustrating. Um, and it's like, if I could bottle the thing that, that if I could bottle the crucible moment into a yeah. pill, you know, we could help get people. If you could just get people to the ledge and push them over and let them get started, like you said, it's so easy once you get going. Um, and it's just that that fear is so um is so false, you know, but it's such a huge fear when you're in the when you're in whatever addiction you're in and you don't want to hear it. Um, you know, it's that part, it's a part thing, right? It's it's the part of you that doesn't want to stop that blocks the rational part of you stop from hearing the, the message, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you have to do it by example. And I think, you know it wasn't just because I kept doing it and succeeded at it. Cause I know Megan said, you know, I thought this was just another one of your things like the juicing or whatever that would last a few weeks and would stop. <laughs> so I've done it all. Um, but you know, it, it really wasn't just, you know, it's not like you can say, well, if I just keep doing my thing and eventually this person will see that it works and then they'll want to do it. It still took the crucible moment for Megan, yeah. you know, having a health scare to make her finally go, Oh, you know, and the problem is I, I can just say from the physician perspective, like with alcoholism, the effect of our addiction takes so long to manifest in a way that is truly visible. Um, you know, if you're an alcoholic, like you have a lot of good liver cells and they make it a really long time. And most people, I've had a few rare patients that just very young got, you know, liver failure. But for most people, it's a really so long that it's like, oh, I went to the doctor, my labs are fine. I can keep drinking, right. you know? And so the same thing, I think with the weight for, for younger people, particularly Absolutely. that even if they're morbidly obese, their labs can look pretty okay. And it just, which was me for a long time. You know that. Mm -hmm. And for it some was, people it takes, yeah. they're finally developed a vascular disease or something that's ir irreparable, you know, they yeah. can be better, but it's so frustrating. So I wish we could, uh, find the magic thing, but I think it's, it's having these conversations and putting them out in the public yeah. space. So, I mean, your story is so amazing. I just love how you 
described how you got to that place and how you described how it feels for you now. And that's what people need to hear. People just need to keep hearing a message from lots of different voices till they hit one that, like you said, with the parts work coming in is when something that resonates with you, like, oh, this, this is my story. Yeah. And this could be my ending too. Yeah. Well, and that your story isn't that of perfection. I think that's an also really important part of your story. Um, because I think there's a lot of people, I mean, at right currently, you know, I'm in that category of like someone who came in, sat all the way down from day one and like been doing this. But I feel like there's a lot of people out there that have, you know, fallen away and whatever, and they just don't know how to get back. And I think that hearing, you know, your success coming back to the program is so important because a lot of people just feel like there's no hope. And, and, and I think that's part of what keeps me on the straight and narrow is because I'm so scared that if I fall away, like it's going to be so hard to come back. Right. And that's, I mean, I've heard that story time and time again from people that, you know, coming back is is so much harder than starting. So, yeah. Well, yeah, it's so is. It so yeah. is. <clears throat> yeah. Susan will talk about, you know, I ran that experiment, you know, and you yeah. can run that experiment. And I'm just like, I don't need to run that. I know exactly how that experiment's going to end. I do yeah. not want to try that experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to ask a fun question. I know what you do for a profession. I know that you're a teacher because you talk about that on your social Yay. media, but what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, it's funny. I actually always wanted to be a teacher. Oh, wow. That I knew that like in high school, I did like a teaching assistant program. We ran a play school um, for little ones, like when I was a senior and it was always what I wanted to be, but it's funny how now I... I find myself almost thinking about and kind of exploring the idea of, well, what if I wasn't a teacher? What what else could I do? So it's almost like 23 years into my career, I'm now considering like, I don't know, what do I want to do next? Is there, I, mm. I often contemplate a career change and I, I love my job. So I don't, I don't want to go anywhere now, but um, yeah, I kind of think now about some different things. Like I've, debated going into administration. I actually finished about two thirds of my administration program um, when Joey was diagnosed with autism. And it just, you know, this was about eight years ago and we just decided it was not the right time for a major, major career change where I would have to kind of sacrifice family for work. Um, but now I'm kind of looking at that a little bit again. And I'm also kind of, um, I'm working on possibly, I've started writing almost like a memoir of my journey with food addiction. And mm. that's been super interesting because I'm going back and like retelling, you know, my earliest memories of where I really recall some of those behaviors. And it, it actually started to kick up a lot of parts for me because um, I was doing it as a way, you know, they say, once you stop focusing on the food, you need to fill your time with another, another activity and more of a perp, you know, find your purpose. And so I was like, well, maybe this is my purpose. Maybe, maybe this is why I have this random TikTok following. Maybe I can, you know, share my story in a book. And yeah, it was, it was interesting how much I had forgotten until I started kind of dredging up those memories. And it's been a super interesting experience, but that's, that's kind of where my brain is going now with, um, you know, just like what's next. Yeah. Well, it's something that I didn't ask because I felt like we had kind of covered it, but I think that this is a good, I think it's a good thing, you know, to talk about is that, you know, what has not focusing on the food opened up space for in your life? And I'm going to tack on the, you know, our last question onto, onto that, which is like, if you could write the next chapter, what would that be? Because it sounds to me like not focusing on the food has opened up some space in your life to do some other things, which sounds super exciting. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me. I feel like my entire life has changed. It, it really isn't even about the food for me anymore. Um, like I said, when once, especially once parts work got brought into to BLE, and that become became a daily part of my life, it's in my morning habit stack, like I see my parts work therapist, you know, once a month, but I have to do the daily work on my own. Um, that has completely been a transformative experience for me. And, um, I just find like things, you know, like I mentioned earlier, struggling with the anxiety around, you know, my son's seizure disorder and, you know, also like 
his severe autism in general was, you know, something I struggled with in the early years. Um, doing the parts work has completely changed the way those situations, like the way I react in those situations now, like my son just actually had another seizure about three weeks ago, totally out of the blue, unexpected. It had been, you know, a year and a half. And I didn't even get a single bit of anxiety during the experience. Mm. And it, I just find that because I'm not in the food anymore and I'm able to focus a hundred percent on like parts, you know, inner child parts from, from a lifetime ago and, and really give them the nurturing that they've needed. I, it, it just, it's, it's affected me now. Like I'm healing these parts from my youth, but it's affecting me in the moment now. And I don't see that until it happens that day with Joey seizure three weeks ago. I was like, I literally afterwards I went, Oh my God. I didn't, I didn't like sob hysterically with my head under the covers. I was actually okay. And I actually was able to like handle it and be, be present in the moment and speak to the doctors without freaking out. You know, it just, you don't even know how strong you're going to be in other areas of your life until you have the time to kind of nurture those other areas. So even though like I have, you know, I have aspirations to write a book and I have aspirations to maybe try a new career and, and try different things. It really is the little, the little things, um, mm -hmm. you know, like being able to control my anxiety and, and be present for my family. Those, those are the things that, that have mattered to me the most in this journey. It is so not about the weight. It is so not about the food. It really is just about being able to be there for the rest, the, the more important parts of my life. Mm -hmm. So, so well, true. That's yeah, so I was well say, Bonnie, said. Robin, yeah. do you guys have any closing, closing thoughts? No, no. Closing I just thoughts. think I really thank you for sharing this story with us. Um, <clears throat> we're, we're just going to endeavor to bring in different voices and different perspectives again, because our kind of our mission for doing this podcast is just to that it's that service piece. Like you were talking about, it's just, we want to, we want to help people come to this in a way that works for them. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Well, I love what you ladies do. I think this is such a great platform. And I feel I like I said before that the the topics that you're bringing up and and the perspectives that you bring are just so important for people to be able to hear. So I'm I'm grateful for you guys. So Aww. thank you awesome. so much. Thanks. Yeah, I just, and I think that the, you know, the work that you're doing, um, and just so everybody knows, I'll, I'll give your shout out, you know, she can find her at Nourish and Thrive Amy, right? Is that right? That's your handle? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Nourish and Thrive Amy. Um, and so, but I just think the work that you're doing there, because I feel the same way. I feel like we have to reach as many people as we can with the BLE story. And that, um, you know, I'm just appreciative of the fact that you're willing to continue to put yourself out there, because I know that that's not easy. I'm having, you know, a smaller, much smaller social media following, but I know that it's not easy to put yourself out there because it, um, you know, you do, it is, it is easy to get sucked in and that sort of thing. So um, I appreciate the work that you're doing there. So that's our podcast for today, guys. Thank you so much, Amy, for being here. Uh, we so appreciate you and uh, all of the work that you're doing. And we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>